welcome back to Fully Equipped, coming to you live from uh, Baylor Scott and Watt, uh, Baylor Scott and White Medical Center in Frisco, Texas, in a parking lot, um, which is how we usually roll. Chris, where are you coming from? We've got Chris McCormick as usual from Drew Speck and uh, Andrew Tursky from Golf.com. I know, I know, Chris is somewhere else. There's a loud lady screaming in the background. At uh, I am in, uh, I am currently in an airport in New York. And uh, those are the the lovely reminders for all of us to be safe and social distance and wear our masks and do the responsible thing. Is that the beautiful JFK airport? Uh, Actually, no. I I switched the flight from JFK and I am now here on the Jersey side and flying out of Newark. Newark. Well, we're everywhere. Tursky's at home, so he, he wins this week. I would I would take that over sitting in a parking lot here at a medical center, but that's neither here nor there. We're here to talk about gear news like we always are. Before we dive into this week's gear topics, we wanted to share a message from our official sponsor, Fairway Jockey. From stock to custom shafts, clubs, grips, and more, Fairway Jockey is the destination for the golfer that wants an advantage. Visit fairwayjockey.com forward slash fully equipped for 10% off our spotlight components. That's fairwayjockey.com forward slash fully equipped. Fairway Jockey, custom equipment, premium build. Guys, we got a lot to talk about this week. Let's uh, let's start with the big story. Taylor made. They have been sold again. So if you uh, if you think back to 2017, for those that are uh, kind of up to date on on recent gear news, 2017 Taylor made was acquired by a private equity firm called KPS Capital Partners. Um, KPS acquired TaylorMade from Adidas for 425 million. I want to point out that that 200 million, just 200 million of that was actually in cash. So uh, KPS didn't actually have to put down a whole lot of their own money to to make the deal happen. But Adidas wanted to get TaylorMade off the books. TaylorMade goes and is now owned by private equity firm. Fast forward almost four years to the day of the announcement of the acquisition by KPS, and they sell. TaylorMade for, and I've heard the numbers kicked around. I, I reached out. It's somewhere in the neighborhood of 1.6 to 1.8 billion dollars. If you're not if you're not good at math at home, that is 4xing your initial investment. Yeah, that's <laughs> I a, think that's, that's a pretty nice return. I think that's a pretty decent <laughs> return years. on your investment. In four, in four years, they go from acquiring at 425 and selling in somewhere in the 1.6 to 1.8 billion range. Um, yeah, a, a truly staggering number. To put this number into perspective, the largest sale of a golf equipment company um, came when Akushnit, who is the uh, you know designs of all the titles products, they're the holding company. Akushnit was acquired by Fila, another uh, Korean company. The one that acquired TaylorMade is actually called Centroid Investment Partners. And they're also a Korea-based private equity firm. And Fila acquired Akushnit for $1.225 billion. So whether it's $1.6 or $1.8 or $1.7, it, it now stands as the largest deal in the history of the golf equipment industry. Um, it's a big number. What was your initial reaction when you heard about this? My initial reaction was to kind of just applaud TaylorMade. You know, they, they've really had quite the last the last four years and applaud KPS Capital Partners because what an investment. But 
you know, last four years, coronavirus and the equipment industry just take off, like sales that we've never seen before ever. And just in general, I mean, I think uh, TaylorMade had some big things happen in the last four years. Tiger, Tiger won the Masters. Dustin won the Masters. Colin Morikawa wins the 2020 PGA Championship. That was a nice signing. Um, they got Ricky Fowler over in the golf ball, kind of put picks golf balls on the map. Um, so it kind, of, it kind of makes sense. I mean, they forex their money, and the proof was kind of in the pudding. Yeah. it's. Uh, th- I, think, I think you hit all the high points there, Turski, which is, you know, TaylorMade has had a lot of good things happen in, in the last four years. Um, and, and this really is, is a perfect storm. You know, you've got you've got the industry probably in a, in a healthier place than it's maybe ever been, going all the way back to when Tiger won the '97 Masters. That that was really when the last time we saw a a significant spike like this. I mean, you, you can't even get golf clubs. We've talked about it before. You know, it's it's five to to eight weeks, even longer to to get clubs after you've ordered them. So the industry is in a great spot, and I think KPS saw that. In you know, look, if you're going to be able to forex your money. You're going to do it, and and you're going to be able to exit, and then you don't have to worry about, you know, when does when does the gravy train stop here? So it, it is it's it's a great it's a great deal. I'm kind of curious to see how much TaylorMade changes, if at all, with a a Korea-based private equity firm now running the show. You know, you look at Titleist. They you know when Fila acquired them, Titleist was still pretty traditional, but we've seen a lot of really innovative designs come from Titleist in the last few years. I think back to uh, the concept products. Remember C16, the driver that came out? You know, that that kind of coincided with, with you know, Fila taking over. We saw Titleist go outside of their normal cadence of releases and start to release some, some you know, outside-the-box products and really push the limits. So, you know, TaylorMade's never been one of those that's been uber traditional. They've always, you know, I mean, you think about Rocket Balls is the one that always comes to mind. They've always tried to push the envelope and be a little bit louder than some of the other manufacturers. But I do wonder what what changes, if at all, with TaylorMade now that they're owned by uh, by a private equity firm that's outside the U.S. You would think they would what sign more big names, come out with more high end products, right? I mean, that's kind of I, kind yeah, of a layup. But- but who, yeah, but who's, I feel like the one thing that they did that really, to me, I thought was a smart move is they went from having one of the largest tour staffs to one of the smallest, but they kept it really tight with, with big names. Um, I, exactly. It's like, what's, what's the value nowadays? You know, we've talked about the equipment, the endorsement pie keeps shrinking. What's the value of, of acquiring more names? I think I think for them, you probably just kind of keep rolling along you've got you've got all the the marquee names i mean sure you'd like to you know brooks kepka's still a free agent out there maybe you could try and sign a kepka but but yeah it's just it's it's one of those where i i think i think they're they're in a good spot right now as far as their tour staff is concerned yeah i mean the value is what buying majors i mean that's really what you're looking for you want to buy the big names so that you get the majors you get the masters you get the players um and i think they've done a pretty good job kind of focusing on those names where they could actually really get it done. Yeah. This this is this has been an interesting year for TaylorMade because to me, you know, they they were kind of gangbusters the last few and, you know, short of of Rory's win at uh, you know, in, in the last in the last week or last I should say last week, 
they've it's been pretty i would say it's been a pretty quiet year for them on the tour front would you guys agree i would agree but it's so early in the year gotta remember that they they had a really strong they had a really strong 2020 that's what i'm saying like for for as strong as 19 and 20 was you, you know this this year has been fairly quiet until rory's win at least for their big names i mean i know tigers tigers you know out indefinitely right you know tbd on on when he returns he's gonna return i i still think he is and then you got dustin with with the the knee injury right now um he was supposed to tee it up this week at the the byron nelson he's not but Matthew yeah Wolf hasn't broken 85 in a in what a couple months <laughs> yeah and yeah i i i mean i was i was buying all all the the matt wolf stock I still, I mean, he again. It, we've seen we've seen tons of talented players go through stretches like this where where they struggle. Um, I think he's going to figure it out. But you're right, you know, it's just it's just been a weird year for TaylorMade. I think they just you look at their staff and it's like, well, geez, you know, how could they not be successful? But you know, it's you know, it's professional golf. There's ebbs and flows, and we've kind of seen that this year. But it is, I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of guys over in Carlsbad are breathing a little bit of a sigh of relief. Now that that Rory is is back on top, and especially to win right before a major championship, that's the kind of momentum you want for for you know if you're one of the top OEMs in the industry. Exactly. You never really worry about Rory, but it's a little sigh of relief that you know he's finally back in the winner's circle. Now he's got all the confidence in the world. I'm sure. I mean, he probably feels like he's ready to go win some majors. You know. Yeah. And TaylorMade's happy. Sure. He's got the new Sim Two in there, so everyone's happy now. Well. They're they're happy they're happy about that. Um, let's let's transition into to Rory next. Some of the changes that he made, and I don't think I don't look I don't think that they're ever going to be unhappy. If if a guy's making the winner's circle, that's what matters. The you know he has the new driver in the bag. That's a biggie. But you know Rory did make some changes prior prior to his win. Um, they actually go back. I would say go back to the Masters. You know he replaced. His tailor-made P7 MB irons with a with an older split set, consisting of the P750, which we'd seen him play in the past, and P730, which was the previous version before P7 MB came out, and uh, used those at the Masters, and then he shows up for his uh, for his next start, and what does he have at Quail Hollow? Roars Protos. Gotta and love the Roars only- Protos. They're super clean. So, so yeah. if you if you don't know this whole story on the Rory's Protos, um, when Rory signed with TaylorMade in 2017 at the Players Championship, which was such a like such a crazy time to to announce a signing, like the week of one of the biggest events of the season, and he makes the change to TaylorMade. I was at the Bears Club the day before. They were going to announce him, and I, I got a chance to hang out with Rory and see those irons in person, and they were just—I mean, gorgeous blades. And but the thing that sticks out is the fact that it says Roars on it, and you're going, man, these these got to be like made for him, all you know, down to the the specific blade length, the grind, you know, the shaping of the toe, everything. And and that was kind of the beginning of it for TaylorMade. They came out with with additional versions of the protos you had the rose protos dj had the dj protos um you know these these were irons that again were kind of built to their specifications but there's something interesting people have always wondered like okay so the roars protos were the precursor to p730 but really like what's the difference um 
So we found out that one of the differences or the key differences is that unlike the P730s, which are forged like the retail product, the Roars Protos, Rose Protos, DJ Protos, those were all milled in Carlsbad. And, you know, as you can imagine, milling a product in Carlsbad is is pretty pricey. So they're not going to do that for everybody's stuff. But when it comes to trying to turn around a set of irons, prototypes for a Tour Pro, they can mill that straight in Carlsbad and get it out. So that's one of those things where if you're a major manufacturer, you need to kind of have those capabilities. So that's the difference is one's milled in Carlsbad. The other is is forged like the retail product. Um, and and that, that's kind of how you can tell the Roars Protos from the P730s that he was using. That kind of shows you how exacting Rory is with what he wants to look at. You know, because yeah. forging I always kind of associate with, you know, slightly more solid, better feel, and milling is just like exactly what you want to look at yep. in terms yep. of shape and design and really getting the CG like literally exactly where you want. So maybe maybe Rory's a little bit sensitive about it, uh, the way his irons look, huh? I mean, I I think... I think the the one thing that that we can kind of all learn from this is when when your game's not where you want it to be, what are you going to do? Some some guys go out and they buy something new, but I think we all have clubs in the bag or clubs in the closet where if your game goes sideways in one area, whether it's off the tee or or you know with your irons, you know approach the green. Maybe it's a, an old set of wedges that haven't completely lost the grooves, you can go back to that and you can get some comfort and confidence knowing that like, hey, this worked for me in the past. And I think that's kind of what Rory's doing here is it's like, okay, I want to get back to where I was at that point when Taylor made sign me because I was one of the best players in the world. Um, I still am, but I just haven't quite found my game. And I think that's kind of what Rory was trying to do with this change. But the interesting thing here, guys, and I don't know if you noticed this, but in addition to the iron change, he also went back to an old 48-degree milled grind, but he switched grips. He went back to his old Golf Pride New Decade multi-compounds. Um, that, was, that was one of those changes where I that I, I don't know. I thought the grip change was almost more interesting than uh, than going back to the Roars Protos. I know. I want to get the fitter's perspective on this one. Chris, what, what do you think about these changes from Rory? So, I mean, the, the mill process, to, to circle back to those irons – it it's really brilliant by the OEM because I mean it gives them an opportunity to recreate essentially exactly what the player likes exactly what the player wants to see and then they can get it down to the exact you know, tenth of a degree when they recreate these iron heads so you take one solid block of steel mill those heads out and you can continue to recreate that exact head which is something that using a forging process would be extremely difficult to replicate because now you have to have somebody go and put the exact grind on there, do the exact bend, you know, change different little variances in every single iron to get exactly what that player likes to see. So very time consuming and more often than not, you can't replicate exactly what it was that they had. So milling ahead using that CNC mill machine and some 3D printing technology and things like that, the, the opportunity to replicate is almost spot on every single time that's genius for the oem to take care of their tour staff but the uh the grip change is it just looks like and sounds like some of these guys are when they're looking for something they're going back to what works 
I mean, you look at Justin Rose before we talked about him before he went and played the Masters, going back and testing all of that product and a lot of what he ended up putting in play and playing so well with was the exact same product that he's had success with in the past. So no shocker, really. It's uh, it's just these guys going back to what's worked and what they have confidence in. Yeah, that's, that, that's a good point. Just again, it's it's all it's all about confidence. Confidence is huge in golf. You know, if, if you're not if you're not trusting the gear in your bag, and you're not playing well, it's like a, a serious recipe for disaster, and it, it can send a guy spiraling out of control. So, you know, luckily in in Rory's case, he's got worse proto, and you know, going back to those those grips that he had played for years. It, it's it's kind of one of those it, it doesn't let's just say it doesn't surprise me that he made those changes you know try try and try and find that that you know winning formula and he did and I don't think those irons are going going away anytime soon now even if even if Taylor made although with them coming out with p7 MBs it was going to be a while anyway before they even came out with another a blade product but you could be sure that if they were coming out with something and Rory just won he would it'd be tough to get those irons out of the bag I, I think they're going to be in there for a while what, it's kind of always been my the theory. You guys, you guys think that three wood that he hit on eighteen is going to be uh, going to be in the bag next week? Well, he changed. That was that was an old three wood. That was uh, that he went back to sim product. But the funny thing is about it, you bring that up, Chris. He was saying, um, and I, again before that shot, I was going to highlight this on the pod this week. You know, Rory had talked about struggling with turning over the driver for like the last two years, and so he basically just had kind of come to the realization that look I can hit the fade I can hit an auto fade off the tee with my driver but when I need to hit a draw I'm just going to use three wood he said it you know I can I could he finds it way easier to turn a three wood over than than a driver <laughs> now I don't know if he necessarily wanted to turn it over like he did on on 18 where, where it almost went in the in the creek but yeah it's uh it's certainly something to, to think about I mean if you hit if you have a go-to with your driver and it's the opposite of of your you know shot shape that you're hoping to try and hit on on a you know dog leg where you need to bend it with a draw. Maybe you maybe instead of trying to fight it with the driver, maybe you just hit a three wood, hit a five wood, you know something that allows you to kind of hit that shot shape. Maybe it's not going to go as far. You know, I'm sure Rory bombs a three wood, but um, at least it gives you the shot shape where you're not having to fight it and maybe hit it crooked and. Um, you know, just a lot of things can happen when, when you're trying to force things. So I, I thought that was kind of a good, uh, a good kind of tip for, for amateur golfers. Can you believe he got, he, uh, took that drop on 18? I thought for sure he was going to try to play it. It turned out to be like the smartest thing ever, but to have that yeah. awareness on 18 to not hit that shot. Wow. It was, yeah. And it was, that was ballsy. I mean, I'm, wa- I'm watching him standing over that shot and it's like, Oh my goodness, this is, this is not going to, this is not going to go well. I was nervous um, for him, and he, yeah. he actually <laughs> credits his uh, credits his caddy for for calling him off and kind of talking him through his options and and convincing. You know, you know the funny thing, and I don't, I'm not gonna like go completely off the the you know topics we were gonna discuss this week, but you know there were cert- there were certainly people that were blaming Harry Diamond as caddy for for the struggles. You know, Harry's not a caddy by trade; he's a great player. Uh, in his own right, but you know he he and Rory have been friends since they were kids, and so some people thought that Rory had made a mistake having Harry on the bag. I, you know, I thought it was I thought it was hilarious because Rory's won with Harry on the bag. Harry's a, a damn good caddy, and then he goes and wins 
I, I would I would love to to reach out to those people that were complaining that it could be the caddy. Um, again, as you mentioned, Harry calls him off and and you know walks him through the options. Uh, you know, it's it's sometimes it's got to be tough to be a caddy with, especially when you're caddying for a big name because you got to pick and choose your spots. But I, I would imagine you know their friendship, he he trusts Harry implicitly. So they're you know. If he calls him off and says, "Hey, let's just reconsider this," he's probably gonna gonna take his his time and go through the options, and it ended up working out in that situation. Yeah, you get all the all the blame, none of the praise. But exactly. I think I think I think Rory's struggles on on the green and having the snipes with the driver, I think that had more of an effect on uh, his struggles than his caddy. You know, sure. let's leave the caddy alone, and he made a great call there on on eighteen and uh, got the win. Congrats yeah. to both of them. Yeah. So. We got some gear changes for Rory. Um, there were definitely a lot of gear changes last week. Turski was picked a good week to go back on the road at Seriously. Quail Hollow, um, although he probably could have done without uh, witnessing a a uh, sandwich shop or a condemned sandwich shop get raided. <laughs> that was a. Uh, I still can't believe that actually <laughs> went down on last week's podcast. If you missed it, I know. It, yeah, Tur- Tursky got to witness a, a place be raided. He pulls into a parking lot in a, in a shady area of of Charlotte. And uh, anyway, yeah, I'm just happy times. I made it out of there safe. We're yep, back for sure, for sure. You made, made you made it back, and you're here. And uh, so, other gear changes that uh, that I did want to point out last week. Um, LAGP, we've talked about them a lot. Their their composite putter shafts. They're they're still seeing guys using them now. Jason Day is now using one of their shafts. Gary Woodland um, has best finish of the season, fifth place. He was in it until uh, until the back nine at Quail Hall. I thought he actually had a, a really good chance to win, but he ends up putting the putter shaft in play. He was 176th in strokes game putting going into the week. Um, throws an LAGP 135 shaft in his backup Scotty Cameron Newport 2, ends up using the backup and uh, again posting his best finish. Jason Duffner, this is an interesting one that I, I think is worth worth kind of keeping track of going forward. He was spotted with a new Cobra King prototype putter. Um, if you're familiar with the Cobra, the uh, it was called the King Super Sport 35. It was only released this year. A very forward-thinking design that combined six uh, descending loft technology. Sick, who is the same putter company that Bryson uses, they've now partnered with Cobra to work on putter creations. Um, it combined their face technology with HP's 3D metal jet printing. Um, this putter is not the same one that they released in very limited quantities um, to regular golfers. This looks like a tour putter, but again, Sick and Cobra are working on products. I, I wonder if this is maybe not just a one-off tour prototype, if this is maybe eventually going to come to retail because we keep seeing more of these putters, which makes me think that, that something for the average Joe golfer that's not in limited quantities should be coming out pretty soon. Yep. I would expect to see more from Cobra. I mean, it's it's branded yeah. on the bottom. Yep. So. Yep. So so we've got that Xander Shoffley using a uh, brand new Callaway Epic Speed Triple Diamond Prototype Fairway Wood. Um, the cool thing about this fairway, from having talked to a couple of folks, is it can still be on the lower lofted side, so like a thirteen or fourteen degree. But from from testing, these are launching like a five wood. So 
so you're able to to still get that really high launch that a lot of pros are, are wanting. Um, just a touch more spin, and that's what Xander's in, in the has in the bag. I was out at the Byron Nelson this week. A whole bunch more uh, Callaway staffers are also testing this new prototype three wood. Would imagine we'll see more of them go and play as we head into the PGA Championship. Interesting one, not a big name, but Rob Oppenheim did the Phil Mickelson two drivers at Quail Hollow. So he went with two Ping G425 LST drivers. Um, he felt that his nine-degree gamer head was a good option for fades, but he also wanted a driver for draws. So he takes another G425 LST nine-degree head and turns the loft sleeve to the big plus. So he takes nine degrees to go up to ten and a half to hit a draw. Um, pretty interesting. We, we don't really see – we've talked about it. We've talked about how this could be an option. You could have a driver for fairways and then one, you know, maybe 48 inches to bomb it. But this is, again, a little bit more like what Phil did when he won the Masters in 06, going with going with two drivers that are, you know, pretty much the same with the exception of a couple, you know, changes to, to change the uh, the face angle. I love the move. Surprise, more people don't do it. Chris, you, you recommend the move? <sighs> Uh, for the for the average player that uh, struggles with some consistency issues already, probably not the smartest thing for uh, for average Joe golfer to do. Now, if you're if you're a tour player, no way, accomplished yeah, amateur. <laughs> yeah, I'm on record saying don't even play the driver. So. <laughs> That's true. You go mini. Yeah, mini driver yeah. or, or three wood is usually usually a little more friendly off the tee for a lot of guys. But yeah, for the for the two driver move, that's somebody that's really searching for something very specific. Um, that's probably the biggest news I would say. Uh, I saw Sergio doing some more putter testing. He's been uh, working with uh, with a sick putter, also working with a, a Scotty Cameron. Um, also saw an LGP putter shaft in there. He's he's been doing a little bit of work with with that as well. So. Uh, Sergio could be making a putter change, but again, all this is kind of TBD until we see what happens on Thursday, especially with Sergio. You know, I usually always think that I've, I've got a pretty good read on when these guys are going to make an change official and then they don't put it in play or they go to a completely different club that I never saw. But the last topic that I want to get into this week. So every, every year I, I usually have a mea culpa <laughs> and here it is. And oh, here, this it, here one it hurts, is. J-Wall. Yeah, this this one this one really hurts. So, um, Dang it. yeah, yeah, it 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 happens. You know, I've I've got great relationships out on tour with with a lot of the tour reps and um, know a lot of the players, and and you usually have a pretty good read on what's going on. And and <laughs> I'm gonna blame it on COVID and and not being able to go to as many tournaments as as I used to, and and maybe that's kind of my my excuse for this. But Tursky. I do do I say we? I should just say me because I was the one who sent out the the initial uh, message on on social media. I it's my fault. Gotta, it's, it, well, it, I, it's, I would it's, have to say I'm the I'm the start of it's it's my fault. Yeah, it's 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 a weird it's a weird one. So so Tursky is on site at Quail Hollow, and he sends me a picture of Bryson on the range with a like Frankenstein looking fairway wood. Never seen it before. Never seen it before. Same here. And so the first thing we both think is, well, that's brand. It's new. It's got to be new. Bryce is testing new fairway wood. <laughs> not not, a, not like. a big, not a big surprise. I mean, the previous year he uses a uh, two wood at Travelers. 
That's an old F6 that had never seen the light of day. Uh, you know, we spent time out at, at in Carlsbad with Cobra. We saw one-off prototypes that had like never people had never seen before. And so we have a is, weekly Bryson segment on this show we do. right here. We do. I know. And so <laughs> all this to say, we completely whiffed on this club. It's been in the mm. bag for three months. Three months. Three months. Three that months. is not a good look for us, man. Three months. Let me just let me just reiterate that. Um, it's it's just a, a really bad look. Uh, I you know I laugh it off because you know there are so many guys on a tour. It's impossible to keep up with every single change. But for Bryson to put that club in the bag over in the Middle East, and then n- neither one of us noticed it for three months, and then all of a sudden we're like, oh yeah, it's new. It's got to be. And uh, it was it's pretty funny if you if you didn't see the photos we posted some there's also oh some photos there's a photo that Tursky took from last week at Quail Hollow and it's a the kind of the gist of it if if you haven't seen the club it is a Cobra Rad Speed Big Tour so they came out with a stronger lofted larger headed fairway wood that could be used off the tee. Ten and, and a half product, degrees. Ten and a half degrees. Now that's not a loft that you're going to be able to get in this. Thirteen is about as low lofted as you're going to get in the the Rad Speed Big Tour for retail. Um, but Bryson had this one built up, and Ben Showman, um, friend of the pod, one of the best dudes out on tour, Cobra's tour rep, he welded on a couple of smaller rails on the front of that. So if you look at the retail version, those rails extend all the way to the back of the head. The the Bryson version only has a small rails at the front to kind of help mm-hmm. with turf interaction. But going Get smaller, that CG forward too. Yep, I would say going going smaller in this case and reducing the rail length shifts CG forward, so it's going to have a lower, more penetrating launch. So um, again, a club that's been in the bag for three months. Cool, cool design and concept. Bryson does have a backup version that has the like standard retail Rad Speed cosmetics, but in typical Bryson fashion. You got to use the one that looks like it was designed by you know the dude who who made Frankenstein. I know. I'm sure at some point they'll get it uh, cosmetically ready to go to look like retail. But I love the prototype looking stuff. I like when it looks like Frankenstein. Yeah. So so, so do I. If you if you go back, you know, and here's here's the thing that like really I'm disappointed in myself is I didn't even go to Getty. At some point and go, you know, I wonder what Bryson's doing. I wonder if there's anything that Getty picked up that we haven't seen. Because there are photos of this club. And it would have been a lot easier to notice because there was like multiple photos of this club. But you can see, I mean, if you go back to the initial photos from when he was in Saudi Arabia, um, there was some black paint up towards the face, um, just to the left and right side of those rails in the sole. And now all of that's been exposed and it's rusted out. So you can kind of see the the evolution of this golf club from being, you know, a fresh proto to now it's, you know, a hardened, you know, gamer. It's, it's got, it's got a whole lot of rust in, in the cavity down there in the bottom of the sole. It's, it's cool looking club, but uh, I'm blaming but yeah, the paint. Missed- I'm blaming the paint job wearing away for us. Not, <laughs> no, no, no. Not let's catching. not, come on. We're not, we're not blaming it on anything. It, it was, we, we completely whiffed on it. It happened. <laughs> But uh, but the it kings of new. Getty Images. I think we lose our our yeah. title for what? We have a weak ban. Yeah, I know. We sh- Chris, are you okay to just do the pod by yourself next week? 
we lost we lost Chris to a flight. He's oh, he's currently do. boarding. Yeah. Okay. Well, safe travels probably, to Chris. Yeah, safe travels to Chris. He's heading back. We'll have uh, we'll have the gr- the group uh, back. I guess you guys are going to be in studio next week. I think Maybe. we'll probably be back in studio okay. next week. All right. Chris well, Chris has a crazy fitting schedule. I know he's all right over now. the place doing doing fittings in in who knows where. I think that's why he was even on. Well, he was on the on the East Coast in New York for a fitting, right? behind the band yeah. right now yeah he's i mean to, to be asked to go fly out to new york for for club fitting you, that that's when you know that you're you're probably top dog at true spec so um all, again always great to have chris on the pod love his insights and, and we'll have a big one next week it's kiowa it's pga championship i would imagine there's going to be some interesting changes probably dictated by the the wind and weather conditions have you played kiowa tursky I actually, funny story, I tried to play with my dad one time. We show up to the clubhouse, and it's closed for a wind advisory. Uh. There's literally too much wind to let us play. Yeah. We were like, are you sure we can't just, like, go out? Like, we'll pay the greens fees. Yeah. And he was like, trust me, you don't want to go out there. The course is not playable. It's like, all right. You know? That's crazy, yeah. And Key was known for its wind. Like, I'm sure. That's uh, the thing. It's, it's, it's like uh, going to – well, it's funny. So when I went to, I was probably like fourteen or fifteen, and I had a pretty good stretch there. I went and I went over to Scotland, and we ended up playing the we ended up playing St Andrews, and we were going to go out. And the starter told us it was a wind advisory, and he's and he kind of cautioned us about playing, and it was like literally us and like a couple of locals, and these locals are like hitting the ball along the ground, and I'm trying to pound driver into you know 50 mile an hour wind it you're was, saying uh, at the old course that was yeah 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 wind advisory they were cautioning against going out and playing it's kind of funny similar to your story although they they still gave us the option to go get our uh, our brains beaten in which we is that we the only did. course is that the only course you played over there no i've i've played i've played a bunch of them um but it's funny because i played St. Andrews, the starter said it was the windiest day they'd had that year. And two days later, I played Carnoustie, and they said that was the uh, it was the stillest day that they'd had that year. What did you think about Carnoustie? I have kind of a hot Carnoustie take. I don't I don't know if the podcast world's ready I mean, for it. I, but. I I liked Carnoustie. You know, it's it was right at it was right after um, I played it right after Vandeveld had the collapse it was like that the following year and the cool part about it was our our uh our caddy was like his day job was he was a pharmacist and but he had like grown up in the area knew the knew the course like the back of his hand and we get to 18 and he's like hey i gotta show you something so he walks us back through like the tall grass and there, like sitting amongst the high heather is a perfectly manicured tea box and it's the tee box from the open. And he's like, I want you to just stand here and I want you to look out and imagine that you have what you think is like a near insurmountable lead. And like visually, it's it's terrifying because I mean, anything to the left in your OB and you're done. I mean, you're you're just like hoping to God that you're gonna end up in the fairway or any or you're, you know, I guess if you're a righty, you're blocking the heck out of it to the right just to try and keep it in play. But then you got the burn. Um it was just it was a fun day. I think it's a great golf course, but I kind of wish I would have played it on a windy day. I ended up breaking 80 at Carnoustie, but it didn't really feel like it was like all that great because again, no wind. It's a lot of those courses are very gettable when there isn't any wind. That What's out of bounds on 
that out of bounds on the left on 18 is so yeah. close. It's, it's, it was so, terrifying. it's so close. Yeah, it is. It is. And especially um, as a lefty, like at that time, like I, I just anything like left, it was like, oh, God, I'm going to just totally block this out to the to the left. It's going to go over the it's going to go over the fence. I actually had a pretty good drive, although I didn't have to hit it from that tee box because they won't let you hit from there. That was the other funny story was. Uh, got got on the first tee, and the starter, really nice gentleman, came up and he said, "Hey, are you are you playing in a tournament today?" And I said, "No, sir." <laughs> and he said, "Well, you got to play the members' tees. You can't play well, the get tournament the heck tees. off there." Yeah, yeah, get yeah, get the hell off the tee box. <laughs> you playing uh, in a tournament? Was, I don't know about sir. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, my own tournament. It's a tournament field of one. But uh, but yeah, it was it was a fun take. But I got to hear your hot take now. What's what's your hot take on Carnoustie? My hot take is just simply that it's super overrated and it's like tricked up wow. for no reason. And it kind of feels like a weird like resort course. There's a lot of blind, like super tricky shots for no reason. And that burn will just pop up like you don't even see it. Like if you don't have like we didn't have a caddy out there. We had a caddy at some of the courses we played. We didn't have a caddy out there though. And it was like we have no idea what's going on. So I guess that's <laughs> part of the problem. I guess that's kinda on us. But yeah, I was gonna say you should get get the full experience. Get the get the caddy. What are you What are you doing? You're how many? How often are you gonna get to Carnoustie? Listen, we messed up, and now it's affecting my take on Carnoustie. <laughs> now I have a crazy hot take. See, that's that's that not overrated. even a hot take. It's it's lukewarm, and the only reason it's lukewarm is because you didn't get the full experience. You just but I actually you I halfway. played my best round there, like comparatively really? speaking to all the other courses. Yeah, yeah. so it's it's it, like I said, great golf course if you can get over there. Um, but but try and see if you can play it on like a semi windy day so you can get like I said get the full experience yeah because it it totally it totally makes the trip if you're being forced to hit you know punch shots into some holes get, get you have to get super creative so one but of my anyway Kiwa trips. Kiwa I'm sure there's yes. some uh, some constant gear changes that will be made I would expect of course if the if the winds are high you would expect a lot of driving irons right you would you would you would definitely think so. Um, Although it's kind of weird, I was thinking about this. So having played Kiowa, a lot of the greens are elevated. So if you're going to try and attack them, you typically mm. want something with a little bit more height to it. But that would be kind of difficult to do with a driving iron in your hands if you're trying to flight it uh, into into an elevated green. I, I really hope the wind blows next week. I want I, I want like a firm, you know, hopefully that time of the year – be a little bit firmer i would i would love to see kiowa just take it to the play take it to the pros and and maybe we get some sort of a you know i don't think we're going to get anything like a u.s open like over par but i would love you know four or five under to win man i would love an over par win like if all the if all the post round interviews after the first round are like this course is borderline unfair, and they're all complaining about the win. Like that's what I live for. So yeah, but that won't could, happen. If we could get a firm, baked out, super high, windy Kiowa, I'm there for it, man. That won't happen. PGA won't do that. That's 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 a USGA job. You know, they're they're there to make the tour pros squirm, but uh, but PGA is usually a little more uh, a little more, they're a little more kind to the, to the tour pros. They want to, they want to see some birdies, but yeah, hopefully, yeah. hopefully they, yeah, hopefully, hopefully they give us, give us a little bit of a different test this year. We'll see what happens. Key was awesome. Favorite story before we head out for the pod this week. Um, so did you know that a movie was filmed at Kiowa golf movie? No. Legend of Bagger Vance. 
That was filmed at Kiowa. Yeah, they. You know, you know the final the final shot there with with the the cars or you yeah, know yeah, 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 the they green. got the headlights. Yeah, yeah. They they created a hole at Kiowa just for the movie, and when I was there for a golf camp that was hosted by the College of Charleston. They took us out in golf carts. Literally, like the carts get stuck in the dunes, and you just have to get out and walk. And it's like a 280 yard carry over this water. Of course, with you know cinematography, you can make anything look realistic. But you, we had an opportunity to like try and clear this pond to you know a, a fairway that they'd kind of made. It was it was pretty rugged at that point after the movie was had been filmed. But it was it was a cool experience nonetheless to try and carry it 280, and and that was the tee box that they had actually done the filming, and then you walk up around the green, and it's all just like it was during the film, uh, just a little bit more scraggly. But it was still really cool to to get a chance to like walk on the hole where they shot the movie. That's a great little tidbit right there. I didn't know there that, and I've seen that go. movie like you know 20 times. We're golfers. We love we know. love golf movies. Now you know that. Now you know that one of the uh, one of the scenes was filmed at Kiowa. So. With that, I think that's a pretty good way to close out episode 90 of Fully Equipped. 90, dude. We got 10 more episodes until we hit 100. Man, we got to do something special for 100. I know, I know. I smell a giveaway coming. Yeah, we definitely got to do a giveaway. I'd love to get. I'd love to get a, a cool guest for that week. Let's. Well, Tursky and I'll figure that out. We got a little bit of time, but it's still creeping up on us. But that will do it for episode ninety. If you're looking for more gear news, you can also check us out on social media. We are at Fully Underscore Equipped on Twitter and at Fully Equipped Golf on Instagram. We will update you as we know more on the Spieth. Be sure to check us out on social media for that. Thanks, as always, for listening. See you next week.